My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Azima Jackson. I found my way to Azima through a dear friend of mine, Elizabeth, who reached out and said, hey, I love what you're doing with the podcast. You got to talk to my mom, <laughs> which is pretty cool, I think. And, uh, and Elizabeth was right. Her mom, Azima, is a really remarkable soul who has evolved into an elder committed to questions of identity and meaning and purpose and an exploration of the pains that life brings us and the ways in which we often attempt to run from those pains, but instead can actually experience them as invitations towards deeper self-knowing and, and deeper possibility. And as you'll begin to see on this show, I'm, I've really been putting energy out into the world to find and connect with more elders. I have a real felt sense that one of the great tragedies of our society is, are, are the, is the way that we discard people who have outlived their usefulness by whatever standard we think useful is. And age is something that uh, has a disappearing effect. There are lots of different identities that can have a dis disappearing effect in our culture, and age is certainly one of them. And it is just of a great diminishment to us all. And I encounter Azima as a human being who served for me as a reminder of what might become possible if we remember to honor and pay attention to the gifts of life and old age and the ways those gifts can travel forward to those younger, younger among us, uh, whether we're in our teens or our 20s or our 40s, who have some sense that we have it all figured out. So what I've I'm really excited to share my conversation with Azima with you. And in particular, what I experience is her, she just she describes herself as a researcher and her life is kind of this laboratory for research. And I, I really feel that this deeply curious, inquisitive, open-hearted, committed way that she relates to her encounters with her own mortality, with spirituality, with, with music and with healing and if you stick around to the end of the conversation, um, Azima actually played a song for me. I had a, a little private concert, which was really special. The audio through Zoom was subpar and didn't do it justice. So uh, Azima and I agreed that we would share another recording that she has, um, which you'll hear at the end of our conversation today as kind of a proxy for the spontaneous moment we had together where she played a song for me. And as you'll hear her refer to music as a kind of life force for her. And I know from my own experience that music has been a life force for me too. I think that's all I need to say for now. Let's get settled in. And hear what Azima has for us. Azima, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Thank you, Andy. It's just wonderful to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Uh, I'm smiling a lot right now because um, the person who connected us is your amazing daughter, Elizabeth. And uh, I put a kind of call out to my networks to say, I'm really interested in talking more with 
uh, elders and wisdom keepers and people who have simply been on their journey for, you know, decades and have benefited from whatever fruits might come from that journey. And Elizabeth was so sweet. She said, you know, here's some people, but, but, you know, you should really talk to my mom. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is the first time I've ever had anyone recommend their mom for my podcast. How cool is that? And so you and I got together and had this wonderful conversation. And it was just really clear to me that there was more to talk about. So I'm excited you said yes to the invitation and, and grateful that Elizabeth connected us. Great. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So there's, so, there's really, a, there are a number of threads we can pull on. But one thing that, that uh, strikes me about you, and we've already chatted about this a bit, but I want to name for our audiences the, is the way in which you seem to relate to and inhabit and draw from a number of spiritual mystical and wisdom traditions to inform your journey and sort of to help you navigate your own conversation with mortality and with life. And yeah, I I wonder, like, even right now I'm looking at your, at your background and I see a painting of Hathor, the Egyptian goddess of love and music and healing. And I see what looks like maybe a star of David perhaps. And I see a window looking out into nature. And I also know, you know, that you have, other backgrounds. So I'm just like wondering what, uh, what's important to you about, about all of the, weaving all of these threads together to make your life. Well, you know, I have a, I have a one sentence answer, which won't be terribly helpful. We can go beyond <laughs> that, but okay. <laughs> um, I was just remembering this movie that this fellow named Dr. Amit, um, Amit Goswami, Um, is in, in which he shows us through quantum physics the unity of all of uh, the world's religions and mystical traditions. Mm. And he bridges the gap between science and what we might call God or the source of all or, uh, you know, so um, that's a real quickie answer to they do all, in my understanding, there's my understanding at this point in my life is that there is one source, and I'm using quantum physics as sort of a reference saying, yes, I'm not off. <laughs> <It's> the, latest, <laughs> the latest scientific quantum physics is saying, yes, there is this thing called consciousness or unity field, and and literally it's an aqueous fluid vibrations of light of which we are made Mm. and um, being our substance and the substance of all that is. If you, if you look at life that way and you really take it in as much as possible, and I'm still working on that one, but we're, we are all one. And there is one source. If in fact that's the case, then we're all made of the same stuff, Andy. Mm. Mm. We're just mm. individual kind of representations of that. Mm. Whatever the paths are that that we need to take, we're all kind of ready-made for that, whatever that is for each of us. But we're all made of the same stuff. And that, that's just mind-blowing. So that's where all the religions to me come together. Mm. Mm. With mm. different names, with different personalities. It depends on where you are as to what you what your belief system is to how you've been raised and um you begin to see things through those eyes but then as life goes on at least for me i was raised christian episcopal in the episcopal church with a lot of ritual and music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then as my life continued it became broadened in um the fact that oh there's more than this definition of God up there on a cloud with a with a staff, you know. Mm, mm, mm. Fascinating. It is really fascinating and wonderful. And there's a whole conversation I sense we could have, although I'm not sure I want to go there today. But I want to just name like what what might it be like to live in a world where enough of us understand that dimensionality that 
sure, you can walk through the the doorway of, of Christianity or the doorway of Sufism or the doorway of Judaism or whichever doorway, but that you're walking towards something universal as opposed to a world in which there's one of those doors is the right door and all of the others are the wrong one. I would just really love to live in a world where, where more of us had an embodied experience of what you're describing, this universality kind of presence. Yeah. I, you know, um, like everything, my understanding once again is that if we in fact truly come from the inside out, our anchor is inside. Because one of the first things that came to mind when you said that is, oh my gosh, you're going to open the door to a universality and, oh, that's too big. I can't get it. I can't Mm. grasp it. Mm. So I think the reason a lot of us hold on to our traditions, our religions, our conditioning, our patterning, Mm. is because it's, it's safe. It's something telling me, this is the way life is. This is the way you need to be. And in some ways, there's safety there. There's security. Yeah. If we go out into this, through the doorway you're talking about, there's, there's, a, there's an open world. And if, in fact, each of us are anchored within and can really, you know, love is the bottom line, Andy. If we, in fact, do love ourselves, and I don't mm. mean in an egocentric way, I mean, love the stuff that's made us, the paths that we've walked and can can connect with that in some way with one another then it would be a beautiful world yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for that azima so how does a uh how does a young woman raised in an episcopal church in an episcopalian context come to believe and embody the person you are now like Give us a, I'd love to hear more about that journey. Well, you know, that's, this is my journey and everyone has their own journey. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we know that, that I don't, I was very fortunate. I grew up with parents that loved me, cared for me. Um, we're both very active. My father in particular in the Episcopal church. Um. And I, as a young girl growing up in that tradition, in the way I did, um, at that time, because I'm older than you are, <laughs> uh, at that time, it was, it, 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 at least I, my understanding was it behooved me to be the good girl. Uh, and so whatever I thought my parents wanted me to do or to be, I learned how to do and be. In other words, I accepted all of the packaging that came with my sort of childhood conditioning, patterning. This is who you are. Mother wanted me to be this way. Father wanted me to be this way. And I was the best I could be at anything they wanted. Mm. Mm. And what interesting, what happens as a result of that was, and I didn't realize this till years later, um, I ended up with something called Crohn's disease. Had a mm. different different name back then because it really wasn't recognized then. They didn't know what the heck I had. So that was another story that was interesting. But my understanding now, years later, is I was stuffing who I really was. Mm. I was being such a good girl and following the rules so well that that became who I was. And I think Mm. this happens to a lot of people. Mm. Sometimes we're all given a certain patterning. We're all raised in particular ways, whether there's abuse there, trauma, or nothing, but but love, intention, good intentions. Yeah. Often we find at some point in life that we're following, once again, the safe path. We're, mm-hmm. we're following the path that we know. Mm. And it's almost easier to follow the path you know than the path you don't know. Mm. Mm. So... That was one of my wake-up calls when I was in such pain with this thing we called eventually Crohn's disease. Mm. And can uh, you say a word or two about how Crohn's disease shows up in your body? I'm, I'm thinking like well, I'm hearing inflammation and immune 
stuff, but I don't actually know. It is immune stuff. They call it autoimmune now. Mm -hmm. You know, a guy named Crone, Dr. Crone or Crohn's, I don't know. You know, he he named it, so they called it Crohn's disease. Must have been Crone. Anyway, uh, and he was at Mount Sinai. See, I know all this stuff. But it it can affect any part of your digestive system with inflammation. Mm -hmm. They, They say it's autoimmune. So it's your body fighting your body. It's your body... And, and mm-hmm. you know, I have I have more sort of spiritual esoteric, you could call it. I, I have different ways of looking at your body is talking to you. Yeah, yeah. What I'm hearing you say pills. is like, <laughs> right? There's a some some way in which parts of you or your body were attempting to communicate this kind of lovingly offered yet nonetheless repressive packaging that you were exactly. given by your parents to sort of say this isn't all of who you are. But there's something more here. Yeah. 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 Which is like the, how did you come to be able to listen to that pain, to that inflammatory autoimmune response in a way that enabled you that understanding and, and that. Oh, it took years, Andy, years. Um, uh, And different, 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 things i you know i think one of the really here i go to music but i think one of the the really helpful things for me was i would hear melodies and i would hear the words that would come with the melodies they were like messages i mean Mm. i don't know how to meditate and listen quietly to my soul's you know uh directive uh i'm not so good at that but music i love music and music if music comes to me and I can write music well enough to write down the notes and the words mm-hmm. so I can grok it, but it's the messages that came to me are, are fantastic. For instance, when I was in bed with an abscess in my lower, because my where Crohn's seemed to get me was my lower small intestine, so <sighs> the right lower side of my abdomen. I know, believe me. Part of that's now been cut out, so I went through a lot. But gobs of pain, and uh, at the time I was married, and um, I refused to go to the hospital because I was scared of more pain there. This is after years of having gone through a lot of testing, a lot of operations, a lot of stuff at the hospital. So I stayed home, couldn't get out of bed, I was in so much pain, and and this melody comes to me, and and it's like, Four notes. Ah, and and I felt a little less pain. And I kept going that. Ah, in other words, I said it out loud. I heard it. Yeah. And, I, and then words started coming. And I'll just give you the first words. It was, yeah. angels around me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I wasn't into angels at that time. I mean... I, at that time, actually, I was at Yale Divinity School looking for God to help me get out of this pain, but I didn't know who God was or what God was, you know, Mm. and this, this was about being loved and seen and acknowledged, which is what we all want, and cared for by something that I couldn't grab a hold of, angels, Mm. you Mm. know. And then I actually, I, I was in the choir at Yale and I, the divinity school, and I gave this to the choir director to sing when I was better. Because what happened is this whole thing, I kept chanting it and chanting it. And I found that like 24 hours after this came to me and I, after I continued to chant, it's a little song. I got out of bed and I was feeling fine. And I had had canceled a trip with a singing group to go from New York out to Colorado. And I literally re-upped that trip because I felt okay. And I was fine. I was exhausted, but I was, I did what I needed to do. And I loved doing that. So the power of music and the other piece that I was going to say, and I kind of cut myself short was when I gave it to the choir director at, at Yale, Um, I took it back first off and I said, I can't give this to you because to me it represented love. My one tangible 
felt sense of being loved. And, um, and, and you were afraid that if you gave that to them, you'd be giving that away. Yes. And then I wouldn't wow. have it anymore. Wow. So eventually I did give it to the choir and I bawled. I just cried no end when they sang it at the end of, you know, someone, one of the teachers <laughs> had given a sermon. <laughs> so. Wow. And what, how, uh, I just maybe want to evoke the fullness of that moment for myself and for anyone who hears this, how many singers were there? Oh, it, it was a fairly decent sized choir. I don't remember how many there were. I mean, we had, you know, the different categories of the low voice and middle low yeah. voice, men, women, altos, sopranos, uh, I don't know, 20, right. 30. 20 or 30 people yeah. singing a song uh, that came to you in a, in a time of intense suffering and that helped you heal. Yeah. And, and, and the choir director kind of arranged it and brought in harmony. She, and- no, she didn't arrange it to bring in harmony. Actually, I, I, I was saying there are various parts because there works of the choir, but no, they sang unison uh-huh. what had come to me. Wow. And Just in I, the different I, vocal registers that they could yeah. sing. Yeah. And another, another piece, and it and actually it was sung, this woman had been, one of the teachers was talking about Rachel being sent to the desert and an angel came to her. And, um, and that's a Bible story, but, but when the angel came to her, they sang this, I just, I lost it. But, um, wow. the thing that happened with this, I was a chaplain at Yale New Haven for a few years. And then I realized I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, you have to be able to be compassionate and at the same time, not take on someone's pain. And mm. I would often, mm. I still mm. have them with me, but at one point I was, I sang this song for, to a little boy. I don't know why I did, but I did. He was like maybe two years old. Mm. He was in there with a shunt to drain fluid out of his head because he hadn't, you know, his parents brought him to Yale from someplace out in another part of the country because uh, they realized he needed help and an expert. And, and anyway, I sang this song to him with his mom and dad there. And after I sang it, he held out his little hand as if to reach for something. Mm. Now, I knew it wasn't me. His mother said, oh, he wants to hold your hand. Hold his hand. Hold it. And I knew it had nothing to do with me. I knew he could see the angels that I could feel present in that song. I really believe this, Andy. I know it sounds nuts, but I, I reached forward to get his hand and he pulled it right back. It yeah. had nothing to do with me. Yeah. Anyway, wow. that was, that was powerful. Wow. And so that's, just, you know, it's one of them. Yeah. It's one. <laughs> it's a heck of a one. So it sounds like you're, uh, I know, you know, we could spend many hours I since kind of, weaving together these many threads that got you to this moment right here. But I, it sounds like one clear undertone to stick with the musical language was this kind of like experience of really intense suffering that, that also gifted you with this, these, this song and this relief relieving of that suffering. And, and I like, so did that plant some seeds for you about like, there's something more here than what I see and I need to go figure it out. Like what's you got it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that kind of, I guess in a way that, I mean, it, it began the pain of cones began my, it's kind of my research, my, there's gotta be more here. And number one, it started after years. I mean, we're talking about 30 years with this off and on. So uh, I began to realize, you know, I have to take part in my own health somehow. There's got to be a way instead of just giving my body to these other people to, if you'll pardon me, torture, even though, you know, Mm -hmm. doctors can be good and and medicine, traditional medicine, allopathic, they call Western medicine. Mm -hmm. But um, there has to be more. So that was one thing. The second thing was, I, the way I did research was I got a master's degree from, in biological sciences from Fordham University. I got a master's degree in divinity from Yale Divinity School. 
I became a Vedic master in uh, Deepak Chopra's, all of his programs. I became a master of, what do you call it, Reiki master. Mm. I mean, I did all this stuff. Uh, you know, went on to get a D-min with Matthew Fox's, which is a little farther out of the box, you know, his his um, D-min degree. And uh, and then I started taking Indian music. I, I did a lot because I was beginning to realize, oh, my gosh, vibration is key to us mm. in some way. Mm. Mm. And that's what undergirds this this the religions thing. I mean, I began to see, oh, you're, as you were saying, we're much more than we think we are. And who is that? What is that? How do I, I'm supposed to, I must be supposed to touch base with that because I keep living through all these things. Mm. 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 Anyway, that's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Azima. Let me just take all that in for a moment. (laughs) I love that you call it research. (laughs) There's something there. No, I do. I do. There's something um, I'm experiencing in you a really in this moment, a really wonderful blend of kind of confident expertise of the journey you've been on. You know, you're not speaking for anyone else, but your own journey, but also this kind of humility of, I sense that like, I sense that right now in this moment and, and, and maybe after this moment, the next, like you just, your research continues that, that you're just, you're in the journey until whatever comes next, comes next. Exactly. And the journey doesn't end. You know, I, what I'm learning, Andy, is there's no there there. <sighs> I mean, you know, people talk about goals, set goals. You know, what do you want to be in five years? Well, that's great. But but the, there's no there there. It's now here. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's that's. Uh, all of these are beginnings of conversations. They could go anywhere. I'm letting you guide. Thank you. When we come into the now, right now, what do you sense as your, as the, like, David White, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He's a poet. He talks about the conversational nature of reality, that whatever it is we think of as ourself, and whatever it is we think of as, as not ourself, that it's right at that liminal edge where, where the metaphorical or literal, literal conversation, you know, you and I are in conversation right now, Mm -hmm. but where does, where do I, where do I end in this conversation? Where do you begin? Right. And so we had, he talked about that. We have that relationship with reality everywhere. So where, how are you sensing into that liminal edge right now in this, from your vantage in this moment with so many years of research <laughs> under your belt? Well, well, I, I, you know, I, I got to mention a sort of a factual thing and then and tell you the other, because part of my uh, continuing research is due to the fact that I was literally uh, over a year and a half ago now, almost two years. In mm. October 2019, I was diagnosed with fourth stage metastatic cancer Oof. and prognosed by saying, you'll die within six months. You better get your stuff together. Not not very pleasantly, but anyway. So that continued my research. I mean, but like the, the way they delivered that diagnosis wasn't pleasant. No, no, that didn't do it. The way they delivered the, the, the diagnosis could have killed me. I think if people deliver diagnosis or prognosis is like that, prognosis, yeah. uh, your average patient would just plop over dead because thinking, <laughs> well, I got no chance. But so, you know, I, I had to leave that behind, but, um, a lot of stuff happened. I, I went through a lot, but but the bottom line, the reason I mention that is because underneath that is, oh, I've been given another chance to live. Mm. I was that close to death this time, which is very close. Yeah, a lot closer even than well, maybe I was with Crohn's, but I didn't know it. This time I knew it. I was told it, mm. and I realized I've got to be here for some reason. I I need to know and do and be be more. I need to embody, maybe I need to embody who I am more fully. Now, 
I had never thought about that before. But that's kind of what's up for me now. It's very interesting because if you think of the fact that we all come in from this aqueous vibrational light, vibration, lighter vibration into more concretized vibration, Mm. then I, I don't know what it is. And and maybe it's my my I don't I don't know what it is where this comes from but somehow I feel like if I am in this world still I need to embody it more fully mm. and what does that mean? Mm. Mm. So you have some intuition about actually being even more in this world in a way. Yeah, even as you- even as you stand right at the precipice of not being in this world. Exactly. It's a very strange thing. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it was almost as easy to die as it is now to live. In other words, I was telling someone the other day, in both cases, you need to surrender. That's Mm -hmm. the key word. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know where you're going when you die, but you know you have to let go of a lot of attachments, people, Mm -hmm. things ideas of who you were, what, what you would do, that kind of thing. And then if you live, to be honest, talk about name changes, which you were talking about earlier beforehand, we don't know where we're going next. It's like there's a reinvention going on here and it's, it's, you need to surrender. This is, this is life anyway, but it becomes that much bigger. Yeah. I I guess when you're talking about life and death. Yeah. And, um, it's, yeah, what you're saying about this being life anyway is the sort of truth of that and all of the ways in which it seems to me, I'll speak for myself, I have run from that truth or avoided it or not looked at it. But like what I'm hearing you describing is this willingness to look at that, actually whether or not the cancer took your life, your life is already taken. We're all, all of our lives are already taken. And the question is, are we going to allow ourselves to be taken by life? You got it. That's exactly mm. it. Mm. Mm. I mean, that's a great way of putting it. Are we going to allow ourselves to be fully here as we can be? Yeah. And as, I mean, think about it. All the wisdom that is yours can flow through you more easily once you are aligned now, yeah. I, I have been told I have a malignancy, mal-aligned. So mm. there's more for me mm. to open mm. up to, to grow into. <laughs> I mean, wow. Just, isn't it fascinating? Mm. Mm. So mm. whatever the gifts, and I say gifts or gifts that one is given, can flow more easily out of one's body, being, the more fully we are present with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and open to that. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for, uh, thank you for that. And for also just the noticing of, of the root of malignancy that, and the way it connects to alignment. Yeah. Mm. So maybe we can talk more about what alignment is and, and how it shows up in people. Because I, in my work with myself and with my clients, um, what I actually see is work around helping them alignment align often produces that there's a lot of fear there that, that, that the sort of paradox is that the alignment that you're describing, which is just like, I hope people are listening or getting a taste of what's possible in alignment, this sort of flow, this spaciousness, this ability to be with what is without strong attachment, this like, capacities that you're describing that are all of us have what am i trying to say here there's a lot of fear of like there's maybe a lack of faith that that is possible by people who have not experienced it and that lack of faith or fear like we fear that which will help us most right And as a result of that fear, we're trying all of these strategies to like manage and plan and, and, and avoid and debate and, and just be more right than you. Even if it means I'm, I have to use violence to be more right than you, then I'm right. And, 
And then it's like, you know, Helen Keller said, like, look, the, the fearful are cut out as much as the bold. Yeah. We all, in, in the end, we're all like, basically, we're all going to die. <laughs> right. You can't, you can't repress that away. You can't, you can't, you can't violence that away. You can't run from that. The harder you run, the more you suffer while you're alive. And then there you are anyways. And so I just wonder how you, like, what is alignment for you and how do you relate to helping people who are afraid of it start to step towards it? Well, I, I actually, I am, I have now been promoted to Dean. I, I was called the director of uh, spiritual director of this awakening awareness Academy. Yeah. And they're, the GPS code, which is to me one of the core foundations on which that stands, Awakening Awareness Academy, uh, is all about. It's called God Power or Guidance Positioning System. It's our inner guidance positioning system. You know, like a car, you set you, you set a place to your goal. Well, this you don't you don't set the map to your goal, except your goal is alignment. Hmm. And actually, that without going into this whole system, it does bring up the basic tenets of all the world's religions, mm. the core tenets, surrender, we were just saying, mm. you know, uh, gratitude, um, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big mm. one. Anyway, mm. the basic mm. core tenets. But it it gives you a systematized way in which you can any moment of the day, realign your body, emotions, thoughts to your soul's guidance. Each mm. of us, I believe, has a soul blueprint. That's what I would define what you said about life, stepping into life. Mm. That's mm. so beautifully earlier, but it's mm. like stepping into your own life, embodying mm. who you truly are. So this is a system as how to do that. And I find it's helped grow my trust, what do you call it, trust quotient, because I I was not a very trusting person. I mean, God was up on a cloud with a staff, and, you know, I didn't know what else there was. And, and as I was saying earlier, it's kind of scary to go out there at anything else. And what is, and that's why I did all my research. This is what my research is about. Help. Yeah. What do I hold yeah. on to? <laughs> but, but part of it is trusting that, and, and perhaps experience, and not perhaps, you need to experience in a way. It's not just a head thing because because no. I've got a lot of stuff in my head. It sounds <laughs> like you do too. I mean, you know, you're a bright man. So it's like I have held a lot up here. I get it. But to to embody it is a whole different trip. Mm. It's in your heart. Mm. It's a long ways. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, so it's interesting. Um, that's one thing that I have done. But realizing that your your thought goes, mine does, my thoughts go nutsy sometimes. That's why people do meditation. It's never really worked for me. As I've mm. said earlier, music is like my, my way of quieting me. Mm. I have to listen to what's being told me that way. And um, there's your emotions. Mm. They usually govern what you're, how you're going to react, uh, respond, or mm. act. Mm. There's your body. We all have bodies. Mm. You know, they seem quite solid. And, but the way we kind of um, communicate with ourselves and with the world is through our five senses. Mm. However, the the soul, what I'm calling the soul, is that energy vibration, quantum physics calls it consciousness, that essence of which we're all made. That is so much bigger than we are. And yet I call our soul individuated. In other words, I do believe that there is a soul blueprint for each person. That's that's what your life is living into your life and who you truly are. Mm. My life's path seems to be I nearly die often enough so that I need to wake up and live. It's it's quite interesting. Mm. But but my path is not your path. However, the I am that lies at the core of each of us is that source of life that wants so badly to be aligned within each person. So what gifts that that person has to offer can be allowed through. And that's where the coaching comes in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're allowing people 
through, you know, there is fear. There is all the barricades we put up. And fear is, is a good word for all of it, as you were just describing, all those very adjectives, the anger, the arguments, etc. Um, you know, as the Course in Miracles says, and I really have never taken the Course in Miracles, but this is your love or fear. Yeah. And, and, and there's a point there, you know. It's like it it can be very scary to live life unless there is that trust that there is something and it's got to come from within us that is guiding us. Cause if we keep mm-hmm. giving our power, our authority to someone outside of us, mm-hmm. that's not following who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really touching in to your invitation to find for each of us, for me, for you, for anyone who hears this, to find the path towards trusting themselves. Yeah. To really know what that means. I I think that like, I'm feeling called to put up, to sort of bring this to life in different examples. But if, if you've ever had an inner critic, a part of you that's, that uses shame or bully inner bullying to like, why did, Oh, why did you say that? Why would you, Oh, why would you, why didn't you, yeah. You're such a failure. What, you know, like this voice that like a lot of people have, that's, right. that's an ev- evidence of misalignment that you don't trust yourself. And that, and, and then there's another voice that's like, feels ashamed now that I've said that, that I, I'm shaming myself. I need to stop shaming myself. And it's like, no, that's the, you're still sad that you're still out of alignment. It's like, actually there's something else there that's that you're speaking to, which is to simply say, some version of like, I hear you. I hear yes. that, that I have this pattern that wants me to be the good girl and do yes. everything that my dad and mom taught me to do, but that's not the full picture. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to step through that and into something truer that it, allows me to, to live and live fully. Exactly. And it's, and, and just what you said, that is an important thing, which is to acknowledge those voices Yeah, because what I did was shut them out. And I, yeah. and that's what the stuffing, yeah. stuffing it. And my Crohn's disease was about, yeah. you know, it, it affected my digestive system because I was blocking the fact that I was feeling this way. I wasn't in touch with my feelings. I was yeah. saying, you know, on some unconscious level, I was saying, Oh, I, I, I like doing this. I'm doing this, but you're right. You need to acknowledge that. Very important. And then I have also taken psychosynthesis, which is, mm. this is another way of looking at life. Is that the and, Italian? What's, what's Yes, the, Asagioli. Yeah, Asagioli, yeah. Asagioli yeah. in it. And what they say, one of the places in there, they say, you have all these voices, the bully, the the uh, the shamed, the worthless, the worthy, the you know, everything. You put them all around a campfire. And I mean, this is one way to do it. Put them all around a campfire and have them all speak their truth. Yes. <laughs> so you kind yes. of get to know who they all are. You get to yes. sort of, you know, make friends. But but basically, they also say in psychosynthesis, we are not our, our emotions. Yeah. You know, we have emotions, but we're not our emotions. We have a body, but we're not our body. Mm-hmm. So So what are we? We go back to the energy of what what we are. Yeah, and this but, energy that that enables coherence, enables alignment. Yeah, enables and, the. And that's where the trust. That's where the you know this GPS system helps me, and helps one. But to get aligned with, to bring it all kind of together in a way that we can reorient myself. It's it's, it's like you know it's like that little person on the GPS code that says reorient reorienting. This is what I do with GPS. I reorient whenever yeah. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that? Um, what does that look like, or sound like, or feel like for you in a given day? Like, if you were in this moment, aware of a need to reroute yourself, reorient yourself. Well, I have to, I have to say, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work as successfully. Okay, so yeah. it's like. Sometimes it will take the top off. Like if I'm really upset about something, yeah, I will go to GPS and, you know, I'll go through the process. It's, it's a process. I mean, it's actually an initiation process um, that 
you know, you need to kind of really be taught because I can say the words, but it's not going to mean the same thing. Yeah, I understand. So it's, it's like I'll go through the process and I'll, I'll be able to take the top off my upset mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. but it won't shift internally. Mm-hmm. A good GPS is it an actual shift or like, like my songs help me over time, you're bringing a vibration in that will raise the frequency of that area that's been wounded and is coming up again to be healed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we, in conditioning patterning of childhood, something has happened. If we're aware, we'll find that through this spiral of life, that same incident will come up with different people in a different way, perhaps, mm-hmm. but you can mm-hmm. identify it. You're like, oh, like, this is this, this is this person is like that person in the past. They're they're activating something in me similarly. Yes. It's more to the more to the point. Something's been activated in me that it doesn't even have to be this person, that person. It could be a different person in a different situation, but it's the situation that points to what needs to shift, not the people. Mm-hmm. We think about it that way; it helps because if we identify it with people, mm. then we get caught up in the people, right? And yeah, but if we look at the pattern, it, it, we can more easily allow it to shift because we can see, oh, this is part of my patterning, part of that jigsaw puzzle that was scattered that I have yet to find the pieces how to put them together. But this is part of it, part of my path. So, okay, now I trust that another part of me, this is part of the GPS way of presenting things, there is a an aspect of me that can deal with this, mm, mm, even though mm. little me doesn't know how the heck to deal with it. Mm, mm. I don't know whether this is going too far. I mean, I don't want to get too involved with that, but um, that's part of the system so that it works on your, your trust level. At least it does for me. And um, some days... It, it it works better than others. Yeah. <laughs> but at all times, what I've noticed over this last year especially is I have set something in motion because I'm doing this every day and sometimes many more times than, you know, once a day. I'm noticing that things happen anyway, Andy. Good things. I am I am growing whether and I think this is the case anyway for all of us. Yeah. But if you have a practice, sometimes that encourages your evolution or your growth. Perhaps maybe it doesn't. Maybe it gets in the way. But for me, I've realized I am I am being corrected pathwise in a way that's beyond my understanding. Mm. Mm. And my control, my mm. mental human control. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I'm in touch with the, uh, uh, so, you know, I guess people will hear whatever they, they'll get from it, whatever they get. And, yeah. and so, you know, I honor that, like, it's, a, it's an experience as much as it is a concept. And in many ways, it's really more an experience than a concept. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm in touch with the fact that I work with a lot of people who have a concept of growth. Like, oh, I will, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I will be this different kind of person. And so I have to go out and do and manage yes. X, Y, and yes. Z. And of course, you know, no plan encounters reality intact, right? Like we have a sense of what X, Y, and Z is, and then we bring it out into the world and the world is infinitely more complex and the plan doesn't happen. And, and we might then go, well, that was a failure. Uh, I'm not, I failed. I'm not growing. But what I sort of hear you speaking to is the reminder of like, whether or not you feel like it worked or not, yes, <laughs> something happens. That's it. That's yeah. it. You're, you're on the path anyway. 
And I guess one of the things my um, this friend who has founded this Awakening Awareness Academy, it, she's had a near-death experience, and um, actually a couple, but one major one. And what she's gotten out of that was something like this. I, I can't, you know, express it as clearly as she could because I didn't have the experience, but that um, what's going to happen will happen. We can either suffer with that or in other, in other words, you, you, what is it? You get involved and suffer the consequences or you acknowledge the painful time, but, but you don't have to go into that suffering. It's the way you respond to things. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. So like the X, Y, and Z, if that doesn't happen to me, X, Y, Z, as you were saying, and, and the world is not what I expected, nor is my plan, I can be absolutely decimated. I can be, it, it can do me in entirely. Yes. yes. Yeah. Or I can look at it as a responsive way instead of a reactionary way to look at it is to say, oh, X, Y, and Z doesn't work. So... I need to see what A, B, and C would be. Or, you know, maybe it's redirecting me. In other words, is it a way of always we have that option of reacting or responding? Yeah. I wrote a, a, for an organization I worked for before I transitioned into coaching, I, I wrote a job description. I was like, I was suffering a fair amount because of, for a variety of reasons. And one of the big reasons was my work wasn't in alignment. Uh, I was really, it was becoming more and more clear that, that what I was tasked to do day in and day out was producing a kind of suffering in my system. And and now there's a, there's a wonderful wisdom around perseverance and grit and the ability to move through difficulty and kind of tough it out. And I think that's a, I think that's a, there's wisdom to the tough it out thing in certain contexts and the, our capacity to be more resilient than we are. But there's also wisdom to actually knowing and listening to those times when it's really just clear that you shouldn't tough it out anymore, that, that it's time to shift. Because yes. if you keep trying to play these notes together, you're going to keep getting the same dissonant chord. And unless you want that dissonant chord, unless it serves the greater composition, then it's probably time to change, play some new notes. You got and I it. just was having that felt experience. And so I wrote a job description to my organization. I was like, okay, like I'm worried about money. I got a kid on the way. Like, oh, Jesus, this is a, I can't lose this job, I, but I can't just keep it. Okay. I want to do this. And here, uh, this is what I want to do. And they're like, nope. <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, oh, well, I guess I got to move <laughs> oh, on. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but it was this wonderful moment of like in retrospect in retrospect but even in the moment even of the like even just like shortly after they actually gave me a definitive answer and when it was yeah. clear that there yeah. really was no path forward that yeah. I was just trying trying efforting 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 trying to find a way to make this path work yeah they said no is there some scariness around that but also I felt this huge sense of relief of just like Beautiful. I just have to go another way. Yeah. You know, and I hear, I hear in what you're describing, this ability kind of day to day, moment to moment to align around yourself in a way that just says, oh, oh, I'm upset. I'll just have to find another, I'll just go another way. Yeah. Oh, you know, like. I'll respond to the upset because something, I need to hear something. Yeah. Yeah. The the upset is here. In other words. Oh, this is for me. Yeah, it's it's not like like what is in the other person is also in us. Mm-hmm. So if we think about that too, whatever aggravates and, and you know I'm not hey believe me I don't have this one down, but what aggravates me about so and so, I need to look at myself before I put all my anger or reactions onto them. Yeah, because what am I holding on to that? There's that Velcro that's that's hanging on to them, you yeah. know? Otherwise, yeah. it wouldn't bother me. Yeah. So 
once again, it all comes back to ourselves. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a make wrong way no. because we're very human and we're going to, we're going to try the X, Y, Z. We're going to do whatever we're going to do because we don't know any better. Yeah. So I tell you, compassion, listening to ourselves is so key. And that's something I wasn't taught. I don't know that any of us were taught how to, maybe yeah. some people were, I don't know. Yeah. It's certainly not a part of the dominant cultural education and upbringing that I've, of anyone I've talked to who's been raised in our, and in, in sort of the dominant materialist material focused culture that, that most of us have been raised in. Right. And, and, and we're doing the best we can as parents, you yeah. know, you're a parent of young children now. Yeah. Um, but, but we make mistakes. Yeah. And we have to say, it's okay. I'm doing the best I can until I know to do better. In other, and now, and until I know more, I take this medication until I know more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something about what you said about like the make the energy of make wrong, which seems to be, like, oh, I could make them wrong or I could make, or I could make me wrong. Right. Or I could say, or I could slow down and ask, what does this situation have to teach me? Exactly. And how might I show up inside of this situation in a way that is not so gosh darn painful and perhaps even produces possibilities that I can't see yet. Right. And that's part of the, once again, bringing back to the trust issue. And there's, there's, there's an aspect of you, this is part of the GPS thing, but that knows how to see that bigger picture Mm. so that everyone is, it's a win, win, win. Mm. Mm. Azima, this has been really fun. If you can believe it, we've already, we've already blasted through our time boundary by. I have, I have, I have loved this. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm wondering, maybe I have too. And, and I, and I sense that those who find their way to it will also enjoy your, what I have experienced is your kind of confident humility, your, your kind of like, Hey, you know, I've, I've got my master's in divinity and, 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 and biological science. And by the way, I studied psychosynthesis and, you know, and I still don't, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't know, I don't. but I can, I, some days it works better than others, you know, like this sort of like joyful sense of like, I'm just in it. I'm here. I'm going to keep learning. I really appreciate the way you're embodying that lifelong learning energy. And I, I trust people will touch into that. And I wonder in the spirit of, um, of kind of, of, of experience over concepts, maybe we could close today with you playing a piece of your music that we could leave listeners with. Would that, would yeah. you be comfortable with that? I don't I, want to put yeah, you on no, spot, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. And actually I do believe Andy, that the bottom line to our lives here is to embody love for ourselves and for one another, therefore. And, um, you know, as my, as my friend who had her near death experience said, she said, you know, she learned from that that love is not an emotion, it's a frequency. Fill my heart with light and love from above. pleasure well it has for me thank mm. you so much i'll yeah. tell elizabeth she wants to say hello by the way she says say hello to andy for me oh uh, we'll send her my hello right back and uh i look forward to when next our, our paths might cross and i really wish you all the best with your prognosis and with your healing journey and with your continued invitation to alignment that you're giving yourself and to everyone you meet 
Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Mm. All mm. the best to you. I'd like to be coached by you. Thanks, <laughs> Azima. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.